Hey, good morning. How is everybody? Some of you this morning, it was the first time you've ever worshipped with your eyes closed because you couldn't bring yourself to stare at Paul's very ugly tropical shirt this morning. So there's a story there. Uh, those of you here for the first time, welcome. Uh, we're actually in the second week of what we've called our summer staycation and we're rewarding those of you who are, hey, welcome back. Those of you who were wise enough to start your year here in Elevate Church. And uh, we've got a slushy machine this morning, uh, PG rated slushy machine, sorry for some of you. Um, those of you that are short during worship, you were glad you missed out on having to look at Jared Beanie's ugly shorts. Um, they were, whew, I struggled. That's the longest, longest 20 minutes of my life this morning. And we're having a bit of fun. So. Uh, if you are here for the first time, we want to extend a very special welcome to you. You obviously wouldn't have gotten the memo that we're having our tropical shirt day today. Uh, some of you didn't actually have to go out and purchase one. You just went through the collection in your wardrobe and your biggest dilemma was which one to choose. Uh, I uh, went to choose one and we actually have a prize this morning. We're going to give a, a tropical shirt of the day prize later on. Um, I brought mine home and I showed my wife <coughs> and uh, I think I remember the quote rather clearly, something to the effect of, that's not tropical. <laughs> so I'm obviously not gonna win the Tropical Shirt of the Day Award despite having spent $8 on <laughs> this shirt. So. It wasn't $8, I couldn't bring, myself, couldn't bring myself to buy something that I'll never wear again. Anyway, you're also here. Uh, equally importantly, for the second week of a series we've called How to Get What You Really Want. Now, first time guest, you wouldn't have necessarily uh, caught last week's message. You can catch up on the podcast, but let me kind of recap and bring everyone up to speed. And this idea, when we start new years, many of us decide to make new year's resolutions, which actually aren't new year's resolutions. They're more new you resolutions and their ideas around and decisions around things that we wanna get better at and things that we want to do and things that we wanna have and things that we wanna become. This word want threads through so much of our new you resolutions and the way we want to start the year with certain wants. And wants aren't necessarily all bad, but we're asking the question, is this something beyond some of the immediate wants that we have put on our list of New Year's resolutions this year? Are there things that God actually wants? It's not that He won't give you everything that you've asked for, but, but maybe, and I wanna put it to you that there likely is something more, something even better that God wants for you. And actually, He's not gonna give and never gives us everything we ask Him for because some of what He holds back if, we, if He was to give it to us, would actually get in the way of us getting what we really want. And so we're taking a little journey, a four-week journey, starting off 2018, asking the question, what is it that you really want? And the, and the reality is nobody can answer that question for you. I can't answer that question for you. So what I'm gonna do for these four weeks is just help focus your attention uh, on some of the things that lurk in the shadows, that if we were to actually shine the light on them and uncover them, they will help us move closer to getting what we really want. And in fact, today at the end of my message, I'm gonna put three questions up 
and they're homework questions. I can't, I, I'm gonna give you the questions, but I can't answer the questions for you. So I'm giving you that also as a spoiler, so you can be ready to uh, take three screenshots or write three, the three questions down. And I wanna encourage you when I put them out there this week to actually think about them. Because transformation often happens as the result of considering what it is God's spoken to us, not just about turning up, checking the, checking the Sunday morning box and going home and just kind of forgetting about it. So there's gonna be that opportunity for a bit of homework. Homework isn't bad when you're the advanced kid. So you can be the advanced kids in our city this month and uh, take that homework away with you. But lurking in the shadows of what we want are actually values. Values inform our decision-making. Some of you this year, you've said what you want is to get married or get into a relationship. And the reality is there's something behind that that makes that important to you. Some of you, maybe you've set some financial goals this year. And, uh, and, 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 and the reality is behind your financial goals are some values. Values are simply what's important. And for you to have set the certain goals and certain resolutions that you've set are driven by your values. And our values and the things that drive us towards decisions aren't limited to things and stuff. One of the things I hope that we're orienting ourselves towards this year is to develop a better character. That we, this year, are going to be people who become more reliable, more consistent, more honest, more loving, more generous. These are character things. They're not the stuff that, that you watch commercials trying to sell you on through the week, but they're very important things. And if we value character, we're gonna make decisions that are gonna drive us towards character building decisions. What about legacy? When we say the word legacy, sometimes we just think about, well, legacy is what you've left behind when you're dead. But you can be leaving a legacy every single day, every single week. Kids, those of you still living, uh, still in school, when you graduate, three things are gonna happen. People are gonna say good things about you or bad things about you or they're gonna say nothing at all. What legacy do you wanna leave? Parents, when your child or children leave home, they're gonna say one of three things about their experience growing up under your roof. They're either gonna say good things or bad things or nothing at all. What about in your job? You, you, you leave your job, you got fired or you got a, transferred or you quit or you started a business and as you exit that workplace, people are gonna say one of three things about you. They're gonna say good things or they're gonna say bad things or they're gonna say nothing at all. Those are about the legacy we leave and if we value the legacy we leave, we're gonna make decisions that orient us towards leaving a better legacy because we'll never get what we really want until we discover what we really value. And you may not even be aware of your values, but I can tell you one thing, every single one of you have values. You may never have thought about it, you may never have written them down, but you have values and our values are shaped firstly by how we are raised. 
parents, extended family, school experiences, this progression, even can, our values can be shaped how we're raised by some of the poor decisions that were made on our behalf and you've formed values that you won't repeat that in your adult life experience. Th- these experiences of how we're raised shape our values, not just how we're raised, but also where we're raised. I mean, even here at Elevate, we've got people that were raised in Zimbabwe. We've got people raised in Sri Lanka. We've got people raised in New Zealand. We've got people raised in uh, Queensland. We've got people raised in the Philippines. We've got people, we, I think we even have a couple of people who are raised in Australia. I, I don't know, I, I'm one of them, but there's a couple of us. And because of that, because of the country of origin, we, we, that will shape some of our values, even if we've obviously moved to a different country. And those values inform our decisions. And this is why Jesus, when he taught, he spent more time focusing on our values than he did on what we think we want. And he didn't just point to our values. He actually consistently challenged our values because he was trying to actually reshape our focus, not just on our values that exist, but actually point us towards the things that are most valuable. And I'll put it to you that we'll never get what we really want until we discover what's most valuable. The problem is that choosing valuable isn't natural. And I wanna share some of that with you this morning. I wanna share it through the lens of a guy named Paul. Now, Paul was, I call him the heavyweight champion of the early church. He was a Jewish religious leader uh, around the time after Jesus had died and, and risen again. And uh, Paul, Paul's mission was to put the church out of business in the first century. And so he was, was doing a pretty good job of it, killing Jesus' followers back then, and trying to squash churches until Jesus actually appeared to him and said, why are you killing my people? And Paul was like, whoa, you're Jesus. This is amazing. And because of the transforming appearance in this meeting that he had with Jesus, Paul actually switched teams and became a Jesus follower and, and became a really good Jesus follower and went around actually starting churches, and particularly in, in um, key cities around the known world at the time. And he would start a church and he would identify a leader or some leaders and he would mentor them and he would then ultimately hand the leadership of that local church over to them and then he'd move on to another city and, and repeat the process. And he'd keep in touch with these churches by writing letters. And the new part of the Bible, a large portion of the new part of the Bible are actually Paul's letters, letters of instruction and encouragement and, and correction in some cases that Paul wrote to churches around the various places that he'd started churches. And he wrote a letter, interestingly, that he wrote a letter to a church, the church in Rome, which, which uh, smart Bible people think he may never have actually been to uh, when he wrote the letter to them. And so it was a fascinating insight. And in our Elevate app, those of you that have our app, you can tap the Bible tile and it'll take you to a part of this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Now, Rome at the time was the, was the epicenter of the known world. The Roman Empire ruled the known world and all roads did indeed lead to Rome. 
and Rome had, was a center of power and of wealth. And, and they were very threatened, the people in power, very threatened by this new movement that, that they called the way, these Jesus followers. And despite it being a very uh, unsafe place to become a Jesus follower, the church was actually growing. <laughs> and uh, Paul took it upon himself to write this growing church in Rome a letter. And, and Paul went full disclosure with them. He, he didn't... He didn't he didn't airbrush his letter. He didn't liquid paper stuff out. I know some of you don't even know what liquid paper is. And I wanna look at this, this struggle of, of, of choosing most valuable being unnatural through the lens of Paul. Now, if you've been orbiting around Christians for any length of time, you may have heard some of them tell you that they have a life verse. Has anyone heard that or said that? They say, oh, I've got a life verse. Or, and, and there's some classics. There's some, there's some, there's some pretty uh, uh, popular life verses. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's my life verse. Got the T-shirt, got the sticker, living the dream. Fantastic, so life verse, great. Maybe yours is uh, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. Paul wrote this, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask for or imagine. And you've got that above the mirror at the gym and you're like, yeah, new PB on, on, the, on the dumbbells today because oh, I can do immeasurably more than I can even ask for or imagine. Yeah, and uh, now, it's not compulsory to have a life verse, okay? This isn't an issue of whether you're gonna go to heaven or not if you don't have a life verse. It's not compulsory, but you might be at the stage of your journey following Jesus where you think, yeah, no dinner conversation, it'd be nice to have one. I don't have one now. Well, let me give you one. Let me, let me, let me put one out there that you might be wanting to try on for size. And this is it. Paul said, this could become your life verse. I do not understand what I do. Let me put, let's put that up on the screen there. This could be your life verse. I do not understand what I do. Why did I eat that? Why did I sleep in? Why did I say that? Why did I agree to go with them? Why did I do that again? Why did I spend money on that? Why did I watch an episode of Real Housewives? And the answer is very, very simple. I do not understand what I do. And that's the problem. There's a conflict between what we value and our human nature. And Paul padded it out. For what I want to do, <laughs> there's this word again, next one, Brando. What I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, <laughs> that's what I do. And then when we start doing what we hate to do, there's, only a few short millimeters between that and beginning to hate ourselves for what we do that we don't want to do. And it's possible that some of you are walking into 2018 hating yourself 
for some of the things that you've done that you didn't wanna do. And you hate yourself for doing it, but yet yourself was there when you did it. And you go, ah, I don't know why I did that. And it's, it's a wrestling match. Paul says, if I do what I do not wanna do, I agree that the law is good. Now, this kind of is maybe a little bit uh, obscure. Paul, this is probably him referring to life before following Jesus when he was a key religious, Jewish religious leader. And the Jewish people required to follow a long, long, long list of rules and laws. And it was impossible to, to, to get them all right. And Paul, he was like the best of the best. And he said, even I can't make the standard. And the law shows me just how far below it, just how imperfect I am. So it's not the law that's to blame, it's me. It's my natural self. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry this out. And you know this. You're not a Jewish religious leader and you're not trying to fulfill the Jewish law, but, but you're, you and I, most days, we're just trying to do what's right. We're just trying to do what's better. And, and in our quest to do what's better, some days and some hours and sometimes just some minutes throughout the day, this wrestling match is going on and we lose consistently and do what we don't wanna do. We're trying to have better relationships, be a better friend, build a better bank balance, take better care of our health, develop better character, leave a better legacy. And yet, despite those being the right things to do and despite them being things that you desire to do, we fall short. And we miss it because what's most valuable isn't what's most natural. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't wanna do, that's what I keep on doing. Now, if you read the Bible from the front to the back, one of the threads that you will see is this idea that we are broken people. Humanity, including you and me, we're broken. The, the Bible word is our sinful nature. And it's not very PC. You don't walk around telling people that in the supermarket, I hope. And even by the way, it's hard to accept because we, we like to think we're good people. But even us good people are broken people. And our broken nature is the very thing that fuels us not doing what we wanna do and doing what we don't wanna do. We're broken people. Chances are some of you are just one or two degrees of separation from somebody who has an addiction. Maybe it's alcohol. And, 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 and you talk with them or you've heard them say things to the effect of, I know this is killing my health. I know this is depleting my, my bank account. I know this is ruining my marriage. I know this is uh, affecting my, my job and my career, but I can't stop doing it. See, more information and more discipline isn't always the answer. Because if it was, you, alcoholics know that being an alcoholic is not the wisest life choice. It's not lack of information. 
That's the problem. It, it's, it's we're broken. But, but that's maybe not you. I mean, you're all pretty, look at you. You're all pretty. It's pretty. That's, that's the end of the sentence. You're all, you're pretty. And so I, I know you don't struggle with life addictions, of course not. But maybe you've run into somebody that you haven't seen for a few years and they used to be in really good shape and when you run into them, they, you, you notice they've put on a few kilos and you instantly feel really happy. <laughs> and, well, you, your default is, mm, and you don't even know why. I, here's why, you're broken. That response comes right out of the pit of your brokenness. It's true. The great news is, is that it's a battle that we can win. And I wanna take you to a different letter in the Bible. And this is actually the one we drilled into a bit last week. It's written by the brother of Jesus, a guy named James. And I wanna take you to a, a part of what James wrote in this letter where he, he, he paints an incredibly useful word picture. Those of you that think in, in pictures and you're visual people, this I hope will help you this word picture that James wrote. And he said, he wrote, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and entice. These words, it dragged away, it's a, it's a word picture that, that, that you and I are people walking into 2018, trying to embrace what we really want and yet lurking in the shadows is something that wants to drag us away from us discovering and ultimately getting what we really want. You, wanting, you wanted to get healthy, but you got too busy at work and that dragged you away. You wanted to honor God with your sexuality, but then she came along and dragged you away. You wanted to purchase a house this year, but then the Boxing Day sales came along and dragged you away. You wanted to live free, but that old habit raised its ugly head and dragged you away. There's always this thing lurking in the shadows, wanting us to drag, wanting to drag us away. It's, it's a wrestling match, it's a battle, but it's a battle we can win. But it's not just about the murky stuff. It's not just about, I've seen people who've gotten uh, promotions, and better paying job opportunities, and, and, and all they've done with their newfound increased wealth is, is increase their standard of living and been dragged away by the lure of more and better stuff and, and have actually traded away the opportunity to be more generous towards God and more honoring of Him by not just increasing their standard of living, which isn't always bad, but forgetting to increase their standard of giving, opting for getting rich rather than being rich. I've seen people who have gotten so caught up in the need for peer friendships that as they've moved through their various stages of life, they've only ever connected with people in the same age bracket as them and get dragged away by this need for acceptance and need for having these, only having these peer networks. And peer networks are, are critical, but they're not the only thing. And they get dragged away from the opportunity to invest 
into the next generation. Then, James says, after the desire has conceived, this is a word picture, boys and girls, yes, it's a metaphor. After the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Now, (laughs) sin. Here's a word we've fumbled the ball on a few times over the years, us church people. Sin. Don't sin. It makes God mad. There's one. I've heard that in my in my life. Parents sitting at home, little juniors being not so cool. It starts raining, and you say to Junior, that's not water, that's not rain. Those are Jesus' tears crying over your sin. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna give parenting advice this week. I, I, I know, 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 I know. I know. Those of you who've been here the last two weeks, I know, I've, I'm, I'm on a roll. Uh, I'm on a roll. I know you're probably wanting me to give parenting advice, but... So this isn't aimed at you not telling your kids that it's Jesus' tears that they're hearing on the tiles. Um, this is general in light. A better approach to, to moralism and legalism and telling people what they're doing makes God mad. Let me put it to you just in general. Here's a better approach. This is a better approach. Understand that sin, don't start with sin is wrong. It's wrong. No, understand sin is less than what God has for us. Sin sin is is a reminder that there's certain things we think and say and do that are less than God's best. And, and, And He wants us to stop doing them because He wants better for us. He wants more for us. It's not that He wants to just reach down from heaven and slap us on the wrist every time we sin. It's that He's like, there's better, there's more. I wanna elevate you from what you're doing to something that's gonna see you living the life I created you to live because sin gives birth when it's fully grown to death. Sin kills. Sleeping around when you're married with people you're not married to will kill your marriage. That's why God calls it sin. It's called adultery, it's sin. Yeah, but He calls it that because He's got something better for us. kills. Sin kills trust. Sin kills relationships. Sin kills financial freedom. Sin kills health. Sin kills opportunities. Sin kills mental and emotional peace because you remember what you did because you were there. And God wants better. And this word picture that, that we, we live just a few feet away every single day from something or somebody dragging us away and, 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 and causing us to focus on something other than God's best. And if we focus on that and follow through on that, God calls it sin, but He, but he, but he highlights that because He wants us to know that that kills and surely that's not what you really want. So James says, don't be deceived. Don't trade ultimate for immediate. 
Don't trade in valuable for natural. Don't get focused so much on what you want that you ignore what you really want. And so here's the homework questions. You ready? Cameras at the ready, thumbs at the ready. If you really must, there is a pen next to you and you can, and you can use that pen, recycle cardboard environment, you're welcome. And you can even use the piece of paper, the next step card and flip it over and write it on the back. You can do that today only. Otherwise our operations team will get very cross causing them to have to print more stuff. But here's the three questions. Here's the first question. Number one, Brando. What? Oh, you had the first one up there. Sorry, rewind. Sorry. I'm just getting so excited that two weeks in a row, I'm gonna finish on time. It's a very unusual feeling. (laughs) It's a miracle, a Christmas miracle. What do I really want? Now you might say what you really want is a new car. And by the way, I hope you get it because I don't own a car and I might need to phone you this year and ask you to come pick me up. So, but, but, but if it is a new car, why is it a new car? Why is that valuable to you? That's what I'm talking about here. These new you resolutions. What do you really want? What do you really want? What, are, what have you come in? And those of you that are Jesus followers, I hope there's a sense of, for your sense of God, what do you want to do in and through me this year? What sort of stuff do you wanna transform within me? And what sort of kingdom oriented stuff do you wanna actually use me and do through me? And, and hopefully those sorts of things are on your list. This idea of better character, I hope something of that's on your list. This idea of, of, of leaving a better legacy, I hope that's on your list. Better relationships, be a better spouse. Don't, don't, don't go to 2018 asking God for a better spouse, ask God to help you become a better spouse, okay? Much more controllable. Uh, let me just assure you of that. Um, what is it? What is it you really want this year? Better friends, better bank account, it's okay. Maybe you've got some giving goals. Financially, I wanna give more, I wanna do better. I wanna see my financial resources used to fuel God's kingdom. What I really want is to be used in an Elevate team and, and, and be on the front lines and on the team and seeing God's kingdom. What is it you really want? And I can't answer that for you. Nobody can answer that for you, only you can answer that for you. What I can do is focus your attention on that, but you and only you can answer that. And here's a second question as you start to answer that. What keeps dragging me away? Where's the wrestling wrestling opponent? Who is he or she or it or they? What is it? that keeps dragging me away, that, that you, despite writing your goals and writing your plans and writing them in your prayer journal so God can see it and, and saying this year, what I really want is, sure, fantastic, but what keeps dragging you away? And, and chances are you already know it because it's been dragging you away in 2017, potentially dragging you away in 2016. And that leads me to the third homework question. How much longer do I plan to let what I naturally want drag me away from what I ultimately want? Is it another year? Is 2018 gonna look and feel like 2017 or or am I gonna 
move forward in 2018? Is it gonna be another five years? Is it gonna be another 10 years? Is it gonna be another marriage? Is it gonna be when your kids have moved out? And to all the single people who have ever thought and said, well, I'm gonna make some really good life choices when I'm married because life will be so much simpler when I get married and all of my problems will go away. Uh, uh, just look around the room, all the married people just right now are sniggering at your, at your excessive naivety. God bless you. <laughs> and I'd encourage you to sit down over a coffee with your spouse and, and or your kids and, and or a friend and just, just nut this out. Because actually, by the way, some of them have some access to some of your blind spots. And in love, they may be actually able to say, I think, you know, one of the things that, that drags you away and you go, oh, yeah, now that you mention it. Is this helpful? Yeah. This is still the extended preview. I feel like we're just in the introduction of this series, but getting some traction. Next week, I wanna talk about why we don't focus on what's valuable. And I gave a little spoiler last week, and little spoiler is that it, it's not profitable. You don't see ads getting us to focus on what we really want. You see ads and marketing and promotion to get us to focus on what we want now because what we want now makes money for the people paying for the ads. And what we really want doesn't actually make money. And so often what we're focused on and what's put in front of us isn't what we really want. It's just what we should want or do want or could want. Anyway, it's next week. Come along. Bring a friend. One of the things I hope this year holds for you if you're not a Jesus follower is that this is the year that you'll make a decision to follow Jesus. And I talked about Paul being an enemy of Jesus and an enemy of the church and yet he met Jesus and chose to become a follower of Jesus. Transformed not only his life but 2,000 years we're teaching from a letter he wrote to a church and other churches. James, the brother of Jesus, grew up with Jesus but didn't actually recognise Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't follow him around with a notebook. He didn't. So oh, that's a good quote, Jesus. Let me write that down. He, this is his brother. And he never, he never got it until in his adult life he actually saw his brother rise from the grave. And at that point he declared his brother Jesus is now his, as his Lord and became a follower of Jesus and became a leader of James in the early church. And we're write, reading and, and teaching from a letter he wrote 2,000 years ago. You, this year, I wanna encourage you, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, make this year the year that you say yes and make that decision. And, 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 and in fact, we don't even wanna let another moment go by without giving you that opportunity. So right here, right now, this very moment, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, I wanna encourage you to say yes to him right here, right now. And all I want you to do, just to show him that that's you making that decision today is just put your hand up. And I'll see your hand, I'll ask just then put it down and, and I'll pray for you just standing here, I'll pray out loud for you. So right now, as I look across our auditorium, if that's you today, that's the decision you need to make, that's the next step you need to take, just put your hand up real quickly. And I see your hand, you can put it down and then we'll pray. 